Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a blessed name. Amen. The name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Amen. Amen. We're doing that now, but eventually everything in heaven, earth, and underneath the earth is going to do that. What a day that is going to be. Amen. Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord, Nehemiah, the first chapter. Start our verses there, verse 1. Now the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakili, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hanai, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked of them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight from this title, Heeding the Need. Heeding the Need. Amen. Why don't you... Uh, greet somebody as you're seated this evening. Amen. The, uh, the book of Nehemiah here is, is quite the account. We're really kind of, we really get to get into the mind of this man who uh, lived over 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. Uh, and he's, it's, it's kind of like his journal. He's, he's spilling his heart and his mind and uh, telling of the things that he did and, and heard and saw. And also through all this story, this testimony of his life and, and the things that he'd done, really the, the, the main point is, is really to, to declare how great our God is, to give God glory through it all. And isn't it uh, amazing how we are uh, connected to such a rich history through the Word of God. Even though that we probably don't have uh, familial ties back to uh, these stories of these people in the Bible, the Bible tells us that we are, uh, that we are grafted into this family, that we are uh, adopted into the family of God uh, that was initially presented and given and, uh, to the Jews, but I'm thankful that we have the opportunity as Gentiles to be a part of this as well, to be a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, these people that we read about, especially in the Old Testament, they are not just some figure that is in uh, the annals of history. They, 
They serve the same God that you and I serve today. Uh, they are our brothers and sisters in the Lord in, in that aspect. And, uh, and reading the, the diary of uh, one of our dear brothers, Nehemiah, uh, we get to relive his experience with the God that we pray to today. And if God provided for Nehemiah 2,500 years ago, if God made a way for him, if God opened doors for him, don't tell me God can't do it for you and me in the year 2024. He'll do it for us today because he did it for Nehemiah back then. And he did it for anybody else in the Bible that we can talk about. Uh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus uh, Christ does not change. He is the Lord our God. God, amen, and he will be there for his people if we are living for him and being submitted to him, amen, and so we can uh, uh, shake our head in amazement at what the Lord did for Nehemiah and how it all just kind of just connects and just flows, like how you can't, you can't ask for better uh, opportunities and, and situations and, and favor, but yet uh, God will do that for his people. God can move heaven and earth for somebody uh, that is in need, that is a child of his. Because no need is too small for our God. No need is too great for him. Whatever it is, however big it is, however small your little need may be, don't forget to give it to the Lord and let him know about it because he can meet every single need that is brought to him. Nehemiah's testimony tells us that God is faithful and that God will provide, that God will make a way, that God will take care of his people. And I'm glad that I can say that I am one of his, that we are one of his children and that he is going to make a way even when times get hard. God is always going to be faithful when others are not so much God will always be there for us. Man, the book of Nehemiah uh, is not just about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, it's about rebuilding the city uh, that would become and was a home for the people of God. And most importantly, uh, the city of Jerusalem was a place Really, the only place that, that God says, I'm going to place my name there. I'm going to place my name in that city. And so it became a witness for the name of God to every other city uh, uh, in the earth. And so that what made it stand apart was that God says, I'm going to put my name here. And so you better believe that if God is placing his name on something, it's going to stand apart from the rest of the world. No matter how great or how blessed a city may be, if it doesn't have the name of Jesus over it, amen, it's not going to be as great as it can be. But the name of Jesus pleaded and called upon is what changes things, changes people, changes situations, and changes destinies, uh, the power that is in the name. Amen. We see God using men and women to do great things. We see them doing the miraculous, and it is all done for the glory of God and for the glory of His name. There is only one name that God cares about. 
There's only one name that he will melt mountains like wax if he has to, to protect the name. He will smite the sun. He will cover the earth with darkness if he has to. And the name that God will do this for is not my name. It's not your name, but it's his name that God is going to do that for. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's how powerful and precious and holy is the name of Jesus. That's why God... God does what he has to do because it's for his glory. It's for his name's sake. Why then did God allow Jerusalem to be burned to the ground if that is where he put his name? Because the people that were called by that name were backslidden and living in sin And they became a reproach to the name of Jesus, or to the name of Jehovah. And they they would need to change their ways in order for, to prevent all that. And, uh, And so God sent prophets to plead with them, to tell them, hey, you guys need to change your ways. You need to turn around and turn back to uh, the Lord. And uh, what did they do? They ignored them. They often killed many of the prophets. Uh, and so to protect his name, God allowed Jerusalem to be invaded and to be burned to the ground. And so don't think that you and I are uh, exempt either from such conditions. Our name is not greater than his name. Even though we may think we're somebody, we're really nothing in all of this. We know it's the name of Jesus that even got us here tonight. Uh, and so it's all about his name and his glory. The glory of his kingdom, is, and it's not about our kingdom. The glory of God's kingdom is greater than any one of us. And so uh, unity is greater than any one of us. And if we bring a bad report against his name, then God is not a respecter of persons. He, he, let, the whole, he let his city, Jerusalem, be destroyed to the ground. Uh, don't think that because we're an American, nothing like that could happen to us, right? Uh, we don't find America in the Bible, but we do find where God says, I'm putting my name over Jerusalem. Right, And we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, and so we need to make sure uh, that we are uh, submitting to uh, his kingdom and his ways because it's all about his name and his glory. Amen. And so to understand a little bit about Nehemiah, where he was and, and what was going on uh, during the... Obviously, he was... Uh, he, he grew up not in Jerusalem. He was a Jew, obviously, but... Uh, Nehemiah, his journal began somewhere around, estimated around 450 B.C., so they say, and 450 B.C. Now, you roll back the clock a little bit, uh, over 150 years earlier is when uh, Babylon first started invading Jerusalem. The first wave of captives were taken over 150 years before Nehemiah ever appeared on the scene. And uh, in 586, Jerusalem was uh, officially destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, the, the last round of captives were taken off to Babylon. But 50 years later, in 536 or so, Jews are allowed to return home to uh, Jerusalem by uh, King Cyrus, which is, is a miracle in itself. And finally, after building 
working, began to rebuild the, the city. Uh, the temple is finally completed after many delays, approximately 515 B.C. Uh, and so, again, Nehemiah is somewhere around 450. So um, he, either he was a really old man, 70-plus uh, years when uh, the temple was uh, officially finished or he was born much after that uh, but he tells us uh, a little bit about his life and a glimpse of of who he was and what he was doing he tells us that he was the king's cupbearer in Babylon far from his home city far from Jerusalem that is being rebuilt and beginning to uh, uh, try to get back on its legs and uh, being a cupbearer uh, doesn't sound like much, and I'm sure you're familiar with what it might be, but it uh, it's much more than a modern-day butler, if you will. It was a position of great responsibility and privilege. Uh, each meal, he was uh, he tested the king's wine to to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So I guess. I don't know if it's a position of prestige or what. I mean, you could bring a, crim a criminal in there, right? And, hey, hey, have a drink. Uh, but we don't see uh, Nehemiah obviously isn't of that, uh, that kind uh, because we can see how the king is moved when Nehemiah is moved. Uh, and so that means Nehemiah ha had found favor in the, the eyes of the king. Uh, obviously, uh, if somebody... Uh, would would drink your drink before you drank it in case it was poisoned, you'd probably build a relationship with that person, right? Because literally one day they could save your life because uh, they're poisoned instead of you. So obviously, and, and being that close to the king, you're standing there right at his side uh, at all meals at least, and if not more than that. And so he had access to the king. The cupbearer was a man of great influence. Uh, could use that for his own personal benefit or uh, or, or not. And, and he could use that obviously for, for good or for evil. But Nehemiah, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a, a, a paid uh, minister. He wasn't uh, an official, a, a priest or anything like that. We're not even sure if he was uh, of the tribe of Levi. Uh, but he was uh, just... A regular person, it seems. And he wasn't an apostle at this point. He was just a cupbearer, but he loved Jerusalem and he loved the Lord. Uh, he would get up every day and he would do his best to please the Lord, to follow after righteousness. And uh, he is a secular person, if you will, with great influence. He, uh, he had a great place to live. I mean, you live in the palace. What's there to complain about, right? Uh, in the king's palace, had a great career, but he was still a child of God. He was still a, a Jew, a devout, godly Jew, but he was living in a sin-infested city. Living in Babylon, he wasn't living in uh, a holy, sacred city. He was living in the enemy's city. Uh, his boss and all his co-workers did not serve God. They, didn't, they served their own gods, they had their own idols, their own things, their own entertainment. It was not the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was one of the many other gods 
today uh, back then. And so it's the same uh, situation to some degree today, uh, how we are uh, co-workers and we have co-workers and bosses and that don't serve God and, and whatever else. I mean, there's not much uh, difference today than there was. Obviously, different occupations and all that stuff. But still, we got a, a person serving the Lord, surrounded by people living in a city that did not care about the Lord and did not serve Him. They lived their own lives. They didn't attend... Uh, uh, the church, they, they probably drank and partied and uh, who knows what else. And yet here was Nehemiah faithfully living for the Lord every single day. I know that I said he was uh, connected to, we serve the same God, we're, we're brothers in some aspect, but uh, I wonder if he's going to stand as a witness against some people. How he remained devoted to the Lord in the midst of an evil, corrupt city, and yet he still strove for to to please the Lord every single day. Uh, many people today say that I, they just can't do it, or it's just too hard to live for God, or too hard to to live righteously. Well, Nehemiah lived for God in an idolatrous, wicked city. The most wicked, the headquarters of, of Satan, if you will, Babylon, such a wicked city. If he can live for God without the Holy Ghost, what excuse do we have today? What excuse does the modern church, the modern believers uh, who are filled with the Spirit of God to overcome anything that comes against them, to overcome any obstacle, have power over, to be a witness, power to live uh, above sin and above reproach, what excuse do we have compared to Nehemiah who didn't have the Holy Ghost? And yet he was still found faithful uh, serving the Lord. Uh, I, want, I want Nehemiah to uh, not be a witness against me or anybody that I know because what, what excuse do we have with the opportunity that we have and the privilege that we have today? But since Nehemiah was a Jew, he held such an important position in the palace, speaks well of his character, his ability, and obviously the faithfulness of God and the favor that God uh, poured out upon his life because for, more, for nearly a century, the Jewish remnant had kind of been working their way back into Jerusalem, into their own land. And I wonder if Nehemiah had, had the opportunity at some point to go, uh, go back to their homeland. But for whatever reason, he was still in the palace of the king of Babylon. But it turned out that... God had a work for him to do there that he could not uh, have accomplished anywhere else. Had, had Nehemiah left and escaped and said, I'm going to Jerusalem on my own, uh, we would not be reading about him today. Uh, but for whatever reason, Nehemiah was there, and God had a purpose and a plan for Nehemiah to stay in Susa, in Babylon, where he was, rather than be in Jerusalem at some earlier time. And he had, uh, he put Nehemiah there, Susa. God had also put 
Esther there a generation before, and just as he put uh, Joseph in Egypt many centuries before that, you see, we may not feel like we belong in, in, in the surroundings around us, but we have to trust that God knows what he's doing, that he has a purpose and a plan for every single one of us. We may not, this may not be our, our job of choice, but while we're there, we got to make sure we're pleasing the Lord and submitting ourselves to the Lord, because you never know what God may open the door to you an opportunity in your workplace, in your job, in your experience. But we got to make sure that we are willing and able at any moment to do whatever God wants us to do. And so God has a specific plan and a purpose for every single one of us. He has a calling for uh, your life. And if we are a part of his kingdom, he's got a task and a ministry for every single one of us. And so we, we know that God... Is watching over us. He knows where we would be, where we are, uh, and we got to trust Him that He's ordering our steps, that we allow Him to order our steps, that we don't order our own steps, that because if we do that, we, we might end up in Jerusalem like instead of staying in the king's palace uh, because we wanted to go to, back to Jerusalem. And so he's, God can open doors that no man can shut. If he closes a door, I believe that another one is going to open up. There's no need to fight or kick or uh, we got to wait for the timing of God because once God opens doors, there may be many doors that open at the same time. Rather than us trying to fight, kick down one door, God can open up a whole slew of doors in his right timing, in his perfect will. Uh, and so that is what we want to uh, seek out and follow after. But it was just another regular day, a routine day in the life of Nehemiah here. Uh, he met with his uh, brother Hanani, and who had just returned from a visit to Jerusalem. Uh, but it turned out to be a, a turning point in Nehemiah's life. Uh, he, just, he got news of uh, the report of how Jerusalem was that uh, the, the remnant there are left in, in, in captivity or in, uh, are in great affliction and reproach. It says the wall of Jerusalem also was broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. Uh, now we have to understand the context. Obviously, as, as I mentioned earlier, that it's not like the Jews uh, had just arrived in Jerusalem from captivity a week or two or, or a few years earlier. They have been there for years. They have been there for decades. And uh, this report uh, gets to Nehemiah, and he's, he's doing the math. They've been there. Uh, the temple is, is rebuilt, and uh, he's, uh, they've been there for decades. And to get a report how they are still in great affliction and reproach, and how there still are not any, the walls are still not rebuilt, and the gates are still uh, torn down. Uh, this day came in, uh, this news came in this day, and it forever changed Nehemiah's life. Uh, all it takes is one day, and your destiny can be changed, for the good or for the bad. 
Obviously, we want the good and focus on the good. But but it was just another regular day when Moses went out to care for his sheep. But on that day, somehow he decided he was told to remove his sandals. uh, And he went home with an anointing. He went home with a ministry. He went home with a purpose. All it takes is one day in the presence of God. All it takes is one service uh, to get a hold of God and for God to get a hold of you. Just an ordinary day. Uh, and so that's why you don't want to miss out on an opportunity to be able to come into the house of the Lord. You don't want to miss out on the service because you never know what can happen in one service in one day. You can go home, change with a new perspective and a new ministry and a new outlook on everything. That's why when the doors are open, we're going to make sure to do our best that we can get here. All it takes is one message. In one service, uh, and I, I know through technology now, uh, we, you know, for whatever reason, if you can't make it, you're able to catch it uh, on, on, on the internet, but if you can make it, and if you're able to make it, and you don't make it, then you're going to miss out on something. Right? Even though you can hear and watch the same, uh, same service live on TV, if you're able to make it and, and you don't, I, you could be missing out on something that God wants to, for you to be here today or, or any service and experience that, then uh, we got to do our best to get here if we can. And so one day we were living our life, just an ordinary life, but somehow, some way, we ended up in the doors of an apostolic church. And aren't you thankful that you arrived here to a place where you can feel the presence of God, that you can find an altar and you can cry out and uh, just another day in the kingdom of God where somebody can be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, You never know who walks through those doors on a church service, what can happen, what God is working in their life and doing. Uh, But we got to make sure that we are ready and able to do whatever it is God wants us to do. Because all it takes is one day, one service, one message to alter uh, your destiny. And that's what happened here this day for Nehemiah. Uh, everything was fine and dandy until he got news of uh, the news from Jerusalem and the state of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was never the same after that. He was never the same after that. But why Why would Nehemiah ask about uh, these, these remnant of people who lived hundreds of miles away? And after all, he had a good life, right? Living in a palace. I mean, I'm sure uh, he had good clothes and he ate the finest foods if uh, the king's uh, shared his food with them. And uh, it's not like uh, Nehemiah was struggling. I mean, he... He had a successful life of his own, and it wasn't because of his any faults or sins that he had committed against the Lord that brought judgment against Jerusalem. He was, from what we can tell, he was a righteous, upstanding person, and we know that God kept his hand upon those, and he had a purpose for everyone that was carried away captive. Uh, because if you weren't carried away captive, the chances are that you, you probably may have been killed uh, in Jerusalem. And so to understand uh, to be a captive in one aspect is, can be a blessing in that context. Uh, as it turns out, Nehemiah 
was a captive or through the lineage of a captive. And God began to use him in, in the place that he was in. And so uh, what we don't know uh, is uh, how he ended up there in the palace. But we're just kind of introduced to him right there. Uh, but we see God working through his life, and we know that he was a just man. And so uh, we've got to believe that God orchestrated his life. It's not like he showed up and said, hey, uh, you're going to be the cupbearer. He probably worked his way up somehow through the favor uh, that God gave upon him. Just like Joseph worked his way up through to be second in command. Uh, we just got to make sure that every single day we're going to do our best for the Lord and let God work everything out. And you never know where you can end up years down the road. But as long as you are faithful, uh, God can pour out his favor uh, upon you and your situation. And so here Nehemiah is uh, stricken with the news about Jerusalem and he is heartbroken at this, and as I mentioned, that this this account didn't just happen. It w- it happened many decades earlier, and even even the uh, the walls being torn down and the gates being set on fire. I mean, that most likely those are still remnants from the actual siege of King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, that was uh, as I mentioned about 150 years. Uh, before Nehemiah was telling us here, and so that would uh, that would be like me telling you that Abraham Lincoln had been assassinated, right? This is kind of how how old some of this this news is. The walls are broken, the gates are burned, uh, and that imagine hearing that and then just being struck like oh horrible. Your you know your heart breaks, but we understand. That, that, that happened over a century ago, and those are uh, how old some of, this, some of these news are about the walls and the gates. I think what struck him most about that, the fact, not the fact that they were down, uh, but the fact that they were still down. After this time, after all this opportunity that they had, uh, we, we know that the first thing that they rebuilt was a temple, but uh, it seems like after that they were having, were having trouble and, and were uh, struggling a bit, and they did, still did not able to get the walls and the gates up. And so Nehemiah was, was struck in because there hadn't been much more progress made uh, after being back in the, ta- in the city for decades and so he was now moved by this news, uh, being hundreds of miles away, living in the king's palace. He had a great life, living a great life, nothing to worry about. He was sheltered from the world. He could have died an old man in the palace and, and lived a, a blessed life. But yet, somewhere in his heart, he asked about how is Jerusalem? He disconnected from his present world and his, his comforts and his uh, blessed life. And he inquired about how was it in the city of Jerusalem. And, and that old news uh, struck a chord with his spirit. And uh, Nehemiah, he really didn't 
get new information because, uh, again, understanding the history that Jer- that Jerusalem was sieged 150 years earlier, and during a siege, the walls are torn down and the gates are burned, and so. Uh, there may be a chance that this is not, he may have known this information before, but uh, he didn't really get anything new than uh, unexpected, but what he got through this was he got a new burden. He got a new burden for the city of Jerusalem, and uh, many of us have been in church for 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 years or, or decades and uh, redeemed of our old ways and restored in the eyes of God and and we're living in a, a separated life from this evil and sinful world. But but how often do we ask ourselves, how is our city doing? How often do we uh, hit pause on our blessed life and to say, man, I wonder how, how, how people are living out there or how, how they're doing. I, I wonder if there's anybody that is going hungry in our city. Uh, I wonder if anybody that is hurting and, and, and crying for somebody to be there to talk with them or, uh, or to minister to them. And how often do we ask, how is our city doing? Or, or how, is our, how are our neighbors doing? Or, or how are our coworkers doing? Yeah, we, we, we live a blessed life because we have the, the name of Jesus applied to us and we have the Holy Ghost and we're, we're striving to live a, a, our, a, our, our life for the Lord every single day. And uh, we can easily... We're, we try to we avoid the sin and, and uh, the dark darkness and, and avoid all of those things, the evil things of this world. But what happens over time is we can become uh, insulated from the world. And the question is, do we ever ask ourselves, how's our city doing? What's the state of the city? What's how how's the world doing? And uh, this. Uh, how many people are, are, are going to die today and spend all of eternity in hell? Right? It's these, this is not new stuff. We know that our city is full of sinners that need, that need the Lord. This is not new information for us. We, we know this. But how often do we pause and actually begin to think about that? Because we can easily go through our life and uh, our blessed day, our blessed hour, our blessed life. Uh, and, and obviously we need to pursue after the Lord. But uh, what, if, uh, what if for a moment we acted like Nehemiah and says, well, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. I wonder how uh, the city is doing or uh, I wonder who's out there hurting and lost and uh, they're struggling trying to make it out in this world without God. People are, are dying every day and uh, sin is running rampant in our city and people are addicted to drugs and all kinds of things or, and killing themselves or killing each other and uh, we, we know all of these things but how often do we actually think about it? We already know that, but it's not the latest statistics that that are going to uh, move us into action. We can all ad- admit that there are, are are more sinners in Fort Myers than there are saints. But just does that news move us at all, or do we just well, you know, let's go on to our next whatever, uh, move on to the next thing? Uh, it's it's a. Uh, uh, we don't need to get new news. 
We need to get a new burden for what we know about, what we already know, uh, a new burden for ministry, a new burden for the kingdom of God, uh, a new desire, a new passion to reach the lost, uh, because that's the burden that's going to drive somebody uh, to the prayer room or drive them into action and to go out and to step out from the palace and say, I'm going to leave the palace behind and I'm going to go on a journey to reach somebody, to, to help somebody, to help rebuild a wall in somebody's life or, or tear something down or help pull somebody out of the, the fire uh, of hell. And, uh, but in order for that to happen, we're going to have to heed the need. And also, we're going to have to sacrifice a little bit, right? How much did Nehemiah give up to go and help rebuild the walls? He gave up a palace life. He gave up living the the most blessed, one of the most blessed lives in the city of Babylon. Blessed occupation, uh, the the nicest house. He gave all of that up because I I hear a need and I got to go meet the need. And I'm not saying that we got to sell all of our possessions and all of our houses and everything to go meet a need. But uh, I am asking us... uh, uh, more than just knowing the need, are we going to heed to the need? Are, are we going to ask ourselves, how is so-and-so doing? Or, or I haven't seen so-and-so here in church in a while. I wonder what they're doing. Well, they're not in church, you know. Let's start with that. Does that, does that move anybody, you know? Uh, can, can their life be better if they're not in church? And yet we can come, we can easily come in here, walk through the doors, and we're happy to see everybody's here. But I guess the question is, uh, do we ask ourselves, who is not here? That, that's a, more of a, a weightier question than who is here, right? We're, we're grateful for everybody that shows up, but uh, those that uh, are not here, uh, they don't need to slip slip through the cracks and and we just forget how we can easily just go through the motions and and have a great service but uh, I'm trying to uh, prick our hearts tonight to begin to ask ourselves uh, to to think about outside of our life outside of our palace quote-unquote palace are we asking for the state how somebody else is doing or what's the situation of of Jerusalem or what's the situation of Fort Myers or or how's my neighbor doing you know uh, we can get so caught up living our blessed life as Nehemiah was. But Nehemiah says, I'd rather leave the palace to go and help minister and help reach and help repair uh, the city uh, and the gates and the walls of Jerusalem. And so uh, we know the story. That's exactly what he did. He heeded the call, heeded the need, uh, and it, it, he, it, it transformed his life. And he gave all that up so that he can go and help and minister to somebody. I know uh, 2024, we can easily get, uh, our schedules can get so filled up with so much stuff. But the question is, uh, do we ever uh, think and pause uh, about something beyond ourself, beyond our family, beyond our need, beyond our palace wall? Uh, How often are we thinking about somebody else? Musician, if you would come. Nehemiah's life was great. He was blessed more than what more can somebody ask for. But none of that mattered when he heard about the condition of his city. So what good is it if I'm living in the palace when my city is in shambles and I don't do anything about it?
Where are uh, the apostolics who are uh, concerned about the uh, house of God more than their own house? Uh, more concerned more about the work of God than their own work, or more about the kingdom of God than our own kingdom, more about uh, the future of our church rather than uh, our own our own future. And uh, again, I'm not trying to say we need to forsake all of our needs, uh, but we need to uh, pause and think about the needs beyond our own needs. Sometimes asking who is here and who is not here. It used to be uh, that people got into the church, got filled with the Holy Ghost, their lives transformed, and they told their employers, they told their sports teams, they told the companies uh, that, hey, I'm not doing Sundays anymore, or uh, I don't, I'm not doing, uh, I'm not working here because I got midweek, or uh, I can't come because of a uh, prayer meeting or I, uh, we're having a revival and uh, I, I got to I gotta go for that. I got to make it to that because uh, I'm going to church uh, because God is the most important thing in my life, right? Things kind of changed now, 21st century. Now people get a job and then they tell their church, I don't do Sundays, I don't do Thursday nights. Uh, I don't do prayer meetings. I don't do special services. I don't do all these. It's, you see how, how the world is, as the world is getting worse, it seems like believers are also saying, well, I don't got time for church. You know, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather just watch it online instead of driving there or, or, or going or doing whatever. What, what happened is, is believers today have, uh, could have become cold and callous, and their their burdens have been buried beneath something, beneath the cares of this world, the cares of this life. And uh, do we still have a a burden for our city? Do we still have a burden for the lost? And uh, do we stop and think about the lost sinners, or do we stop and think about uh, those who are not even here, who, who don't come to church any longer? Uh, Nehemiah said, I was a cupbearer to the king of Persia, but I want to be a wall builder for the king of heaven. I'm going to leave my blessed job behind, and I'm going to go work in the kingdom of God, and I'd rather build a wall for, for Jerusalem than live in the palace in Persia. Uh, and so that is the perspective that Nehemiah had, and I wonder do we, how often are we heeding to the need and not just our need, but the needs that go beyond our own. If you stand with me tonight. Nehemiah said, I've enjoyed my time of blessing in the palace, but my city is in ruins. And I've got to do something about it. I, I can't just hear the news and just pass on by and say, oh, that's sad. I, uh, I hope they get it together or... Uh, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so in a few weeks, but I sure hope that they're, they're doing okay. Uh, and um, more than just hearing that or, or hearing some news, let's make this year a year that we actually heed to a need and, and go beyond just uh, listening to something and say, hey, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice for a need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... 
hit pause on my life for a moment and say, there's got to be some, a greater need out there than my needs. And uh, uh, even uh, our, our neighbors who are lost, and how often do we wave at them or just drive by? Uh, and how often do we think, I wonder if they go to church? Well, you know, obviously if they're not here at our church, hopefully they're going to another church, but they need to go to a church that's preaching the truth. Uh, amen. Acts 2.38, being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Uh, and so uh, in 2024, we need to go beyond our own needs and our own wants. And we got to start heeding to the needs of those around us and to those of our city. Because Nehemiah left everything behind and says, I'm going to go meet that need. And again, he wasn't anybody of particular importance. He was just a regular guy who heard the news and says, I got to do something about it. On his way to Calvary, Jesus, knowing that this is going to be the darkest time of his life, dark days are ahead, he could have easily said, pray for me and, you know, look after me and help me out. But in Luke 23, 28, it says, Jesus turning to them, he said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. After all that Jesus went through, surely he could have said, can you pray for me? I'm in a lot of pain here. I'm going through a lot. Can you pray for me? But Jesus said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. You see, Jesus saw beyond his own needs and says, hey, uh, I see a greater need out there. I see somebody else's need. Don't weep for me, but weep for your children. Weep, weep for your city. And weep for those that have not repented. And weep for those who have not been baptized in Jesus' name. You see, uh, we don't need a, a new program or a new technique or a new approach. Uh, what we need is a, a new burden for the lost, a new burden for those that are in need beside and beyond our own selves. Uh, a burden for the church, a burden for the un, our unsaved friends and family members, a burden for our city, and a burden to build the kingdom of God. But it's going to take a sacrifice for each and every one of us to leave our palace, our quote-unquote palace, our, our, our little life that we live. It's a blessed life. It's a great life. But uh, maybe this year, Let's make it an opportunity. Let's make it a point that hey, we're gonna we're gonna step outside our palace and we're gonna go and meet a need somewhere. Uh, we're gonna minister to somebody, or or, or or we're gonna we're gonna teach a Bible study this year. So this is a great time to say, hey, God, I'm gonna do something for you. I want to meet a need this year. Uh, I want to teach a Bible study to somebody, or I want to shadow somebody and and go with them and just to sit just to sit there during a Bible study uh, to help us uh, reach and minister to a need because what good is it if we have everything and we're living in the palace but we watch the city burn, right? God is calling us to, uh, to, to live a life for Him that is holy and separated for Him, but also it is to go and to meet a need somewhere, to go and to speak 
preach to somebody, to go and tell the gospel to somebody, to go and, and help minister to a need out there. Amen. Jesus says, uh, look up into the fields. They are ripe. They're ready. They're, they're, they're white. Uh, pray that he would send laborers into the field. He's, he, Jesus is saying, pray that somebody would see the need and go and do something about it. Not, not just to acknowledge the need, but hey, let's heed to the need this year and heed to what God wants us to do this year because I believe that this can be our greatest year yet if we're willing to step out and say, God, I'm going to do something beyond myself. It's not about me. It's about somebody else's need. If we begin to meet somebody else's need, God will meet our need in return because we are putting somebody else before us. Lord, help us identify with Nehemiah that we can uh, heed to the needs around us and do what we can this year. Does anyone want to make that commitment? God, I'm going to do something more for you this year, more than just my routine, more than just what I always do. But God, lead me to somebody this year. Lead me to a soul. Lead me to a need that I can meet, that you can use me so that you can get the glory and your kingdom can get, uh, get the glory as well. Amen. Let's begin to worship the Lord tonight. God, help us, Lord, to turn our minds, God, off our own needs. We know that you're aware of our needs, but God, help us to begin to look at to others. Now begin to ask the question, how's our city doing? How is so-and-so? I haven't seen them in a while. More than just wondering, let me make a call. Let me check in on them. How's my neighbor doing? Hallelujah. Help us to heed the need this year, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can use us, Lord. Use us this year, Lord. You can use me. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, 